You're listening to the I Love You Keep Going podcast with George Haas. For more information, please visit our website at www.metagroup.org. That's www.m-e-t-t-a-g-r-o-u-p.org. So welcome, everybody. This is I Love You Keep Going. It's August 18th, 2022. It's 7.35 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. And... Um, I read in the paper uh, that the James Webb uh, Space uh, Telescope has been returning these really interesting images of the universe and uh, mainly pointing to the idea that the Big Bang Theory is actually not true, which I thought was really an interesting sort of dilemma for us. We like, as human beings, to organize things in such a way that we feel a sense of safety, a sense of security in the way that we understand uh, uh, our own lives and the world around us and the people in our lives. Um, And yet in, in Buddhism, we often talk about the groundless ground, that there isn't really anything to stand on. Uh, and uh, we talk about that in terms of the uh, ultimate reality being changed into conceptual reality and all that we can really rely on knowing is uh, ultimate reality, which is the pure sensing data. Um, But uh, 2,600 years ago or so when they formulated these ideas, uh, we weren't so sure um, about the lag in terms of uh, creating that experience. Uh, now the the science on brain time is pretty good, um, but the processing speed of our system is such that we really do run a half a second behind what's actually happening. That is to say, the self-experience is running a half a second behind what's actually happening. Uh, that the body-mind can process urgent material in about three-eighths of a second uh, and pleasant material in about a half a second. You've heard me say this uh, over and over again if you've sat with me because I really like the the idea of this, that the body-mind takes in 11 million bits of data per second, but the self-experience is really only 16 bits, one-six. So we really don't know that much about what's going on anyway. We know uh, the self-experience of it. Uh, And I think um, you might even say that the self-experience is the audience for you as you wander around the planet doing the stuff that you do, which is really based on your conditioning and the way that you interpret the experiences of things. Um, But not the, the doer, the performer, the creator of the experience you're having. You really are watching from the place of self, that conscious experience. So um, what does it really change that the the James Webb Space Telescope is bringing back images of the universe, uh, our own and universes beyond our own, that suggest that the Big Bang Theory uh, isn't true? I'm going to guess that it probably didn't change much for you. <laughs> Other than there was some sense of security in 
that we have an understanding of the nature of what this human experience is and uh, um, these big broad pinnings underpinnings of it um, but if that's not there that they're just really these constructions that we make to to, to help us feel a sense of a security in in a in a in a world that's very insecure. Um, when I was uh, sixteen or so, uh, uh, and our and in my group of friends, when our cognitive minds reached the point where we could actually consider um, the big bigger questions: what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why have these things happened to me? Uh, what should I do with this life that I have? Um, I think I entertained that for about three years. And then around age 19, I decided that these questions were unanswerable and it was a waste of time. <laughs> and that I should do something else with my time besides try and figure all that out. And so really uh, coming into meditation for me was this practical uh, experience of wanting to reduce my suffering from being alive and mainly the problems that I had were around uh, making uh, relationships work. Uh, I think um, I have trouble, I've had trouble all my life and I still have trouble reading uh, social cues accurately. Uh, and when I was uh, much younger and too frightened to actually investigate or ask for confirmation of my interpretations of things. I, I um, got things wrong so often that relationships didn't work very well. Uh, and so it's been an interesting journey to develop a sense of confidence now to be able to ask directly for what I, I want to know and to verify my interpretation of what actually happens or what the experience of the interaction with other people uh, is as it's happening. Um, and and uh, really coming into this uh, Buddhist frame uh, around it, uh, when you really touch into this uh, understanding of the experience of self as the audience watching yourself in a way do what you do based on conditioning based on the creation of the experience of the data that you take in um, it makes the constructions of fearfulness less uh, ripping i think We have the capacity to sense the object that can be sensed when there's contact, a consciousness of the sensing experience arises, which is undefined. It's evaluated for uh, urgency processing. That's the first uh, interpretation. And then uh, there's a cue of sensing experiences uh, that are uh, uh, compared to our perceptual database if there's a close enough match in the perceptual database, we create, uh, we assign the meaning of the previous experienced uh, sensing uh, patterns, and from that create a conceptual reality, which we then know as a self, 
It's our organizing principle. But that is so dependent on our conditioning to know that part of this uh, very practical approach to meditation that I started with was simply to to pull all of that apart so that I could watch it happening, so that I could begin this process of ensuring that the experiences that I was creating and understanding were happening was actually an accurate reflection of the data that was coming in and not completely distorted by that. Underneath that, of course, is that that sort of layer of um, fearfulness. Um, if everything is so uncertain, if there isn't a, a truth, uh, a universal experience that can be known uh, about what's happening, that it's completely subjective, completely based on my conditioning, completely based on my mind state in the mo- in the moment. Um, how can I have any kind of sense of safety in this experience? Some things are predictable. For instance, if I say to Lucy, "You want to go for a walk?" She perks up because she uh, apparently can understand that that languaging because I can say, I'm not going to take you out. And she has a a different response and she's a dog. (laughs) Some of you, some of you have dogs, so you know what I mean. Uh, um, So the world changed because the James Webb space telescope brought back data that suggests that the the formulation of the universe as we know it is not actually formed that way and everything stayed pretty much the same Um, so the deeper i went into the my meditation practice the better i was at uh, tracking the creation of the experiences that i was having the better I was able to mentalize the the basis of the creation of it, that it was based on conditioning. And sometimes if the conditioning was really negative, uh, the quality of conceptual reality carried that those negative traces with it. And if the conditioning was better, the experiences were often better. And that it, it even opened up this uh, this uh, I like. I think of it really as this rocking back and forth motion, coming into conceptual reality, understanding what's been created, and rocking back into the data, uh, the pure sensing data, uh, to see whether the interpretation, the creation of conceptual reality matches it well. And if it doesn't match too well, uh, being able to explore what it is that happened uh, in the process of forming it that created a distortion, and then. Uh, immediately reforming it. Um, if you look at the the 16 stages of insight that Mahasi Sayadaw uh, uh, described in his Manual of Insight, uh, 
the uh, real uh, clear uh, evidence of this um, back and forth uh, uh, is in the fourth stage when you're in arising and passing. You can see clearly the arising and passing of all of these events. And uh, uh, as the concentration increases and you see each sensing experience arising and passing and how the sensing experiences come together to form these impressions and as they come apart the fluidity that smoothness that movie-like quality of conceptual reality begins to give way and it gets jagged and i like to call it a, a staccato a kind of staccato representation of things and then you go into dissolution and you're just energy I think that uh, most people's experience, including my own in that first encounter of that was it was really frightening that the things that we thought or the things that I thought were solid and reliable were in fact just representations in energy, that that wasn't what was happening. Um, and then uh, there, there wasn't so much a um, understanding of it uh, as there was a getting used to it. This is how it comes apart. This is how it comes together. And then um, there's a lightness in it because it's uh, reliable, comes apart reliably, comes back together reliably. You can get trapped on either side. You can get trapped on the side where everything is fixed and solid, and that's a lot of suffering. And you can get tracked, trapped on the other side where nothing actually comes together and and that results in a lot of uh, not much happening and so then you begin to see the value of this movement into the fixated world where you can uh, take uh, concerted actions and the unfixated world where there's no need to do anything just be but in my early practice and you know maybe for 20 years of it it was really very practical and oriented around de decreasing the the suffering uh, and orientating myself more toward things that were meaningful one of the things i i've found in the aging process is that as the body uh, becomes less and less vital, um, it's harder to, to do as much. And so there's a falling away of extraneous uh, activities, um, which provides an insight into the nature of what's essential, what's really meaningful, uh, when there isn't an abundance of energy to do everything. And you have to choose what you're doing uh, you can orient yourself toward the more meaningful. Uh, and that's quite rewarding. But still that edge of uh, practicality. It wasn't really until I started practicing with uh, Dan Brown in his pointing out the great way style of practicing. Uh, it was an easy transition in a way because uh, in the Tibetan Bon tradition, pointing out the great way is... Uh, akin to a lot of instructions and my main teacher uh, on the Theravada side or on 
whatever you call Shinzen's clumping of the, the traditions was a lot of instructions. And that's a, a good way for me to go. I like to have everything explained in great detail. And then I like to move step by step in a sort of organized, systematic way. So a lot of instruction suited me well. Uh, and uh, going through those stages, um, it was both uh, exhilarating and disappointing, I have to say, because I was really hoping for a whole new perspective that was different and would create a kind of contrast between the, uh, the, the practices so it would be easier to see what was actually going on. And, and what I uh, discovered was that they were very similar. Uh, partly uh, because uh, Shinzen, in the way that he's formulated his system, has drawn from a lot of places. And so uh, that uh, pureness of a Theravada practice was never really uh, the way that I was practicing. But in practicing in that very uh, systematic uh, way that Dan uh, taught, uh, opened up an aspect of uh, the practice uh, which uh, I think about as sacredness, which is quite different than the, the uh, practical pursuit of uh, relieving suffering and this opening into this vastness of, of the, the nature of everything. And in getting into those experiences where there is this a profound sense of sacredness, but there isn't uh, much of a self-identity experiencing it. Um, the absence of the audience and just the, the beingness of it. <clears throat> um, still does not satisfy the sense of self and it's, uh, it's a craving for an understanding of what actually is happening here? What is the purpose of all of this? What am I doing? And so there's still that edge uh, in, in practice about satisfying that uh, gnawing sense of self. As I say this, I'm thinking of Shinzen saying that you don't understand this, you get used to the way that it is and uh, find a way to operate in it. You find a way to operate in this unpredictable uh, reality that you create. It's an interesting time, you know, the old Chinese curse. I hope you live in interesting times. Um, So we practice, we practice um, taking apart the rigid, confining structure of self and beginning to see the utility of it, but the nature of it. 
that it isn't the doer. And so then uh, opening into a sense of curiosity about who we are and what our conditioning, uh, how our con conditioning affects the way that we create the experience that we have. Um, comparing it to the capacity to sense that we have, making sure that it's accurate so that we can be uh, effective. Um, when we carry that process forward, the capacity to sense the object that can be sensed, the contact that creates the consciousness of the sensing experience, Uh, the evaluation for urgency or pleasantness, um, the discovering meaning. Of course, if there isn't an experience close enough to match the present moment experience, then imagination is what we use to create a response, to create this, uh, this moment of uh, conceptual reality. But either way, if you're drawing from a, a long history of uh, interpreting a particular sensing pattern in one way, or whether the imagination is creating a new response to something novel, you create a conceptual reality. And part of that process is, how do I respond to this? And then the intention of the response forms, and then the action that you take in response to the intention that you formed. And then the collecting of the data of what actually happened when you took the action that you took so that you can recreate uh, that process in the next moment. The thing about meditation is that it makes it possible to track all of that. You can train yourself to be able to track all of that, whereas if you don't, um, practice and you don't mentalize well enough to track all of it, that just keeps happening and you're just reactive and you don't have the possibility of reflecting on that process fast enough so that you can avert an unskillful action and replace it with a more skillful action or recognize that an unskillful action has happened and move to repair it as quickly as you can. So the practical piece is there. to sit in meditation and abide in a practice that leads to the creation of this sacredness and to uh, abide in that experience of sacredness as, as long as the practice is going. And then as you end the particular practice and come out of that, there is this um, lag of sacredness, let's call it this experience of sacredness which changes the perception of conceptual reality so that there's this <clears throat> quality to everything that is infused with this sacredness which Dan would say was more accurate in terms of the understanding of this. In the article I was reading about the James Webb Space uh, 
telescope. I'm repeating it because uh, it's hard to remember uh, what it's called. Um, if the universe has always been here, um, that it isn't this cycle of expansion and contraction uh, that ends and begins over and over, then everything has already happened. Uh, uh, it reminds me of the uh, concept of reincarnation uh, in in Buddhism uh, when I was uh, was up at Mount Baldy listening to Sasaki Roshi's Teisho's uh, talking about how every square inch of earth you've already walked because you've been reincarnated so many times that you've been mother, you've been father, you've been a child, you've been rich, you've been poor, you've been the boss, you've been the worker, you've been the guard, you've been the prisoner, all of that which opens up the, this uh, sense of sacredness, this sense of compassion for all beings as an understanding. But I think I remain agnostic about that. I don't uh, see the evidence of it. Uh, when I was in Myanmar, uh, the Sayadaw uh, said to me when I questioned his um, description of someone flying on the power of metta, uh, that I had a sharp Western mind. And for us, uh, those of us with sharp Western minds, where science has become the miraculous and that the metaphysical uh, um, uh, miracles are, are experienced as impossible, um, that there, there's a better explanation than the forces of the universe, uh, which we, we now no longer understand. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I have a, a smile about that. <clears throat> the, the way the self uh, is always organizing and uh, explaining and... Um, The thing that comes up um, in stacking all of these different teachings and stacking the experience of practice and uh, the explorations of these different experiences that come up is this uh, profound sense of uh, kindness in relationship to everything. Uh, here we are, these delicate creatures uh, if if you accept the uh, conjecture of the the people examining these photographs of uh, outer space, uh, the the possibility that the, the pure chance possibility is so infinitesimal that you would arrive in this form. I remember. <clears throat> when I was sitting with uh, Katriana Reed uh, when I first came to LA in 92, uh, the metaphor that she used was that 
uh, the chance of of um, being enlightened is uh, as if uh, a um, life ring fell off a boat and you were a sea turtle and you just at random popped your head up above the water inside the the life ring. Um, the infinite infinitesimal chance. Uh, that you would be here in this form at this time just became much greater <laughs> if the big bang theory is not correct and the universe uh, has always been here in the sense that we don't know um, much at all and here we are uh, still having to navigate each day as it arises, each hour, each minute. It's easier, uh, in my experience, uh, if the appearance uh, of everything is sacred. It's easier uh, uh, if the appearance uh, of everything uh, comes and goes and that we have uh, the capacity to watch that process from the uh, self-experience rather than getting stuck in this fixated place of believing that what we're experiencing is what's happening but it still doesn't answer the big questions that at 19 i decided were unanswerable <laughs> So is there the possibility of equanimity with that, I guess, is what I'm asking. Christian. George, do you think that any self-concept that we work hard to come up with, even if it's a really positive one, is essentially like an illusion in the way that the James Webb telescope has re revealed? <laughs> <laughs> um, Mainly what I, I want to say is that uh, as much as we can be kind, that's what we should be doing. Um, I think that in each moment that we create this self-concept, it's, 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 it's an interpretation of what we're already doing. Um, we're watching ourselves from the self-experience in the past, uh, not that far in the past, but just a little bit behind. And so we're already forming the intention, already uh, taking the action, and we're watching that unfold. And so the idea is that we are not uh, the self. Uh, we are this activity that uh, is self-knowing. Maybe that's a way to put it. Um, so that there's an openness and a curiosity about what that is actually that we're doing. 
there's a kindness about it and also a, a care to try and uh, shift us away from uh, destructive uh, 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 formulations that we might make in toward toward something that that's more beneficial. How do we know it's beneficial? Um, because there's a quality of peace, I think. So for myself, what what actually is uh, useful is the care, really the care of other people that I'm I'm close to. That's the thing that makes me uh, happiest. That provides a sense of purpose and meaning. We. Um, <clears throat> I talk uh, quite a bit about attachment and and uh, that that secure base that you build in in uh, relationships around you, which actually affords you the possibility of exploring things that have meaning. Uh, and I notice in um, the the experience of the days that I have that if I'm engaged in that exploration, it uh, provides a lot of meaning. Um, but it isn't complete um, and that the engagement of relationships uh, that support me is not complete either and so that it's a collection of these pieces that come together to form a, a sense of uh, uh, maybe it's a willingness to get up and uh, carry on with it with this activity that uh, it's hard to know uh, the meaning of or uh, for the self to make sense of the self experience it doesn't seem to be a problem for the the not self part and abiding in sacredness there's no need to do anything else but then the self peace comes back is hungry or cold or wanting attention. There was a mention in the article that I read uh, about one of the prominent uh, proponents of the Big Bang Theory waking up startled in the middle of the night that he'd gotten it all wrong. Uh, but that not knowing uh, what actually is happening. So that's one of the things that I, I think that the practice is really helpful with is this not knowing aspect. We have this present moment experience over and over again, not knowing. Um, I remember uh, uh, there was a Zen practice um, called don't know mind i don't know if you've done it but uh you sit uh, with other meditators and each time you have a thought uh, about knowing what's actually happening you say don't know out loud and so we would go over to uh, a woman's house in studio city and we would she had a pool in the backyard and we would sit around the edge of the pool this 
ring of meditators and then uh, we would do yaza which would be we would sit at 10 30 at night and then sit until 5 30 in the morning <laughs> going don't know don't know there'd be like 15 people going don't know don't know and it was uh, exhilarating uh, to do that all night long around a pool lit you know how sometimes uh in ground pools have lights and the blue uh, you turn everything else off is quite uh, beautiful uh, and then that craving mind of wanting the answer wanting to know wanting to know what's happening just locks everything down and then that passes like all things pass <clears throat> But I did have a good laugh uh, uh, that the telescope that they put up there to prove the Big Bang Theory has actually revealed that it's probably not true. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens with the collider, <laughs> you know, smashing into particles to see what else is there. So why don't we do some practice? Uh, um, let's do some Vipassana practice, something uh, uh, just not gone so we can open up into that possibility. Go ahead and take your meditation posture. <clears throat> so any comments or questions about the practice we did? Falling asleep is a gone. <laughs> <laughs> Waking up is a god. <laughs> Christian? I think I probably know the answer to this, but sometimes there's so much sensation going on that it's like, it's hard to kind of categorize it separately that like one is, one starts and one ends. Yeah, give up on the ending and just focus on the ends. You mean that there, there's a flow, say, of visual thinking, and it's hard to know where it ends? Yeah, it's it's like it's like um, I would have breath, I'd have sensation with the breath, and then I'd have um, I'd have like a feeling and a sensation. It'd just be like so much stuff piled up. I, maybe I just need a little bit more clarity or something. Yeah, and. It, the three C's, uh, <clears throat> you can get it wrong, you can be late, you can miss it all together, not a problem. Anyone else? Keith? Yeah, I think the, the beginning of something being gone and then the micro macro part, uh, hadn't occurred to me before but that was um that was i guess it was interesting to experiment with um 
I kind of know the, the, the staccato like feeling of it, but the, that gave it like more of a, like a fluidness, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I had, I had the same kind of uh, experiences Christian in some ways, like it was hard to like parse out like, <laughs> did yeah. I miss it? Was it there? Was it, did it even happen? Is this even a new thing? Yep. So that's fairly ordinary. And then the, as you do the practice, uh, the concentration will turbocharge and everything will become vivid and crystal clear. And that's really what we call the arising and passing event when that shifts. And then it's really fast, uh, really vivid, really intense, and you have to abandon labeling. But most of the time, the technique is what you're describing, which is this kind of search for clarity because so much uh, is happening. <laughs> this is Christian is saying, we just need to bring the James Webb Space Telescope on our sensory experience uh, to be able to clarify it. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for your practice. We have a, a new level two starting on September 6th. If you haven't done done one, I think pretty much everyone here has. Christian? Uh, George, can I just keep you after this for like a minute? Sure. And then... Um, let's see here. We have a retreat start, uh, October 1st and October 8th. The Seven Circles Retreat Center, where we've been going for the last, uh, I guess, six or so years, uh, has succumbed to COVID and is closing. And so this will be the, the last retreat there. And then I'm thinking that maybe that longer format uh, um, Meta Vipassana retreat is something also that we, we may not do so much of anymore. Uh, and I'm focusing more on a, 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 sh a shorter form attachment focused retreat. So that if you have a sense of having been on those retreats and it, it, it appealed to you and you can come to this one, uh, come because <laughs> you may not have another opportunity for that. Um, we're going to um, start uh, teaching in um, Central European time in November, and then we'll do a level two in Central European time uh, in January. So that if you know somebody who's in Europe that might be interested in doing that, but has been reluctant to stay up all night to, to participate. This, this might be something that they could do. Uh, and then uh, I think that we're going to go to Vietnam in February and sit a retreat uh, there. So that's what's coming up. I offer the teaching on a Donna basis. Donna is the Pali word for generosity. There's a link on the website if you want to make a donation. Any amount is appreciated. It helps support me and also the work that Metagroup is doing. Uh, thank you for coming, and uh, I hope to see you soon on the path. Uh, it's not really a big deal, George. Um, I just realized that uh, I forgot about the time difference. Oh. So 11 to 12 your time is the only time that I pretty much don't have tomorrow. 
<laughs> yep, that's that works. <laughs> Let's see. So um, 11 to 12, my time. Yeah. Uh, we could do it at 1230, my time. Okay, that'd be great. All right, great. Cool. All right, all right, thanks, George. Oh, or we could do it at four, either one. Uh, 12.30 would be great for me. Okay, great. I'll see you then. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye.